straight from Boston, it's Founder Thought, the show that has everything from advice, ideas, and inspiration from founders and business owners that made it all happen. On this episode, Stephanie and Oz speak with Quinn Fitzgerald of Flare, a smart bracelet and app-based communication system giving you immediate help with the press of a button. They discuss entrepreneurship, product development, and the meaning of safety. Welcome to Founder Thought. Uh, today we're here with Quinn Fitzgerald. She's the co-founder of Flare. Hi, Quinn. How are you today? Great. Thanks so much for having me on. Excellent. So in just a quick sentence, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Just a sentence or two. Yeah, I'm an entrepreneur, uh, an advocate, a survivor of assault. And um, frankly, my survivor story is not at all unique. And that's a huge problem. Absolutely. So let's talk a little bit about your background first. So tell us a little bit about um, where you grew up, what you studied. How did you sort of get to where you are? Tell us a little bit about that. Well, I am the youngest of three girls in my family. So I have two older sisters and uh, grew up in a household where we were taught to eat dessert first, do our own lemonade stands every summer, have lots of different jobs, uh, were encouraged to think outside the box, um, make our own path. And I spent a lot of time in the early side of my career in politics, mm-hmm. thinking that, you know, the private sector was this far off distant thing. And even further than that was the idea of making your own company and being an entrepreneur and never thinking that that was something that I was capable of or possible in my life. Yeah. And it turned, it took me finding an idea that was so close to me, I couldn't put it down Mm -hmm. to have the gumption to pursue it. And then it took actually doing it for me to realize that being an entrepreneur is not a job. It's rather a way of life. And that I had actually yeah. been an entrepreneur my whole entire life. I just didn't know it. It's saying, <laughs> it's looking at how things are done and saying, I think that can be done better. And not yeah. only do I think it can be done better, but I'm going to actually try to do it. And I'm probably going to fail, but I'm going to learn a lot in that process. And I'm going to make the world a better place by doing that. Amazing. So what, when you were younger, what was sort of your dream? Like where, where did you see yourself going? Um, well, my high school superlative, which was written by my best friend, um, was that I would start a rubber ducky museum (laughs) by myself because when I was little, I collected rubber duckies. Um, So I never really knew an answer to that question. I always knew that I wanted to do something that I felt like mattered, that made Mm -hmm. the world a better place, especially for people who, um, whose voices weren't being heard. Uh, But I never set a strict five-year, 10-year plan for myself. Um, I always just pursued the passions that I had and chose to see that as enough 
um, and chose to have some flexibility in how I dreamed because of that. So, you know, when I was younger, I was really into sports and into music and art. And so I had dreams of being able to pursue all of those things. Um, Mm -hmm. But I always felt really drawn to politics because I felt like that's where you get to really work on the things that matter. Um, And then I went into politics right after undergrad and I um, loved the diversity of thought and the shared passion that a lot of people had. But I realized that the government has its hands tied in a lot of ways and it's not really Mm -hmm. the center of change. The center of change is across different sectors it's people who are doing the work in a lot of different ways. And so I decided that I wanted to go to business school so that I could learn about how to create change from a different perspective. So how how you get into the business? How the idea came? Obviously, you survive. So how how the whole idea start? Yeah. So my business is a safety communication system. And that's made up of a smart device, a smart bracelet. It looks like this. This is one of our designs. And then it has um, a hidden technology module underneath. So it's a a bracelet with technology Mm -hmm. inside of it that connects to an app that helps you get out of uncomfortable, unwanted, unsafe situations and call for backup. And it gives you multiple options so that you can take action across what we call the safety spectrum. Because when I say safety, Mm -hmm. people tend to think emergency only. But in reality, Mm -hmm. a safety situation is an emergency, but it's also those earlier on in the moment. Times when you're questioning somebody's intent or get a weird vibe and you're not really sure how to act. And Mm -hmm. why we created the business is because my co-founder and I are both survivors and we felt like the industry mm-hmm. had perpetuated stereotypes around safety, perpetuated victim blaming in a very damaging way. And we wanted to mm-hmm. change how people were thinking about safety so that they could address how it's mm-hmm. actually experienced in their life without feeling ostracized from it. So, at what point did you take that idea to say, okay, this is something unique, something that's needed? Uh, how did you take the idea and then turn it into something? And at what point did you realize that something needed to be made? Yeah, that's such an important question because at that juncture in starting a business or creating a product or doing anything, you have nothing and then how do you go from nothing to something? It feels like this, you know, canyon. It's a big leap. That's impossible to cross. <laughs> it's a big so leap. You, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, exactly. You have to like build the bridge as you go. Um, so we were really deliberate in how we decided to build. And one of the reasons we felt like the industry had been getting it so wrong for so long is that it felt like they weren't talking to people. It felt like they made an assumption about what safety is. It's like, okay, you're in a dark alley and somebody is going to grab you. So let me make a solution for that. 
but it didn't address the situation I was in or that my co-founder was in and frankly, multiple situations. Um, and so we started by saying, we don't want to make assumptions. Let's not assume that our situations matched everybody else's. And let's go talk to people. We literally talked to thousands of other people about their safety. Mm-hmm. And we just spent time listening. And then that became the crux of how we decided to build because we would take those surveys, focus groups, one-on-one interviews, bring those all together, find patterns in it, build something. So we started out by building like sketches and drawings and literal like 3D printed plastic mock-ups of what a bracelet could look like. And then from there, we went and talked to people about it and got feedback. And then we took those plastic mock-ups and we put technology inside of it. And then from there, we had people actually wear them. And they were, oh gosh, they were so ugly. They were literally plastic that we spray-painted gold and silver to make it look like jewelry. (laughs) And we had people wear those for weeks. We did pilots with them. And we were like, okay, if they're willing to wear this clunky plastic thing on their wrist for their safety, clearly there's a huge need here. Clearly we're on to something, right? And so then we made our next version, which was actually jewelry with a smaller plastic piece on the top in the middle. And we had people wear that for a month. And then after that, we were able to actually make it into jewelry. And it took us four years of finding the right jewelry partner because the jewelry industry itself is very antiquated as well and not used to dealing with precise measurements. So finding the right partners to be able to help us actually hide technology in a way that was incredibly discreet, which we didn't make a jewelry because it looks good. We made a jewelry because it's safer for you because if you take action without the people around you knowing then that action isn't going to result in more violence and it's going to make you more willing mm-hmm. to take that action earlier in a moment. Yeah. So uh, let me ask you, Quinn, because I, when I looked at uh, your website and your background, you used Harvard a lot. So the guys who came up with the technology, did you go for the, uh, I think something in Harvard, you went for a studio in Harvard or something like this to come up with the technology. How you came up with the technology? Is the technology new? Or guys, you came up with the technology? Uh... Yeah. Well, we didn't use Harvard a lot. Um, I think it's just part of our history. And we come from a place of being really transparent about our own Mm -hmm. stories and where we come from, how our product is built, where it's built what its costs are, everything. Um, And so Sarah, my co-founder, and I met at Harvard Business School. And we started the Mm. business through the accelerator program there at the Harvard iLab. And we felt really fortunate to have had that opportunity because it's a network of people who want to help you and will give you advice and help you think through some of the challenges Um, And neither of us has started a business before. So they kind of give you a playbook. Now, of course, you don't always follow that exact playbook, but they help you understand what steps you need to take and how you can take them. Um, 
but the product was entirely developed by our team. Mm-hmm. So is the technology new or it's uh, you guys you take a technology and you edit it or change it? It depends on what you're asking, right? So the parts, the kind of technology that we use, we, we use Bluetooth technology, we have a mobile application. That technology exists and it exists and used in different ways for different things mm. by different people, right? Um, like the idea of a wearable sure. is not new. But a wearable for safety is new. Uh, and the ways that we use it for your safety, very simply, but elegantly, are new. So we have mm. um, we have a pending patent that covers a lot of different parts of the technology in the whole system. Mm. And let me ask you, Quinn, is your product for female, male, or who wear your product? Who will use your product? Yeah. So there's a lot of misconceptions in life, and that is definitely the case for the safety industry as well. One of the misconceptions is that safety is only a problem for women, and that is not true at all. Another misconception is that safety is only a problem for younger women, and that is also not true. Through our work, we found that safety doesn't have an age. And it doesn't have a gender. Now, our offering started out on the more feminine side because that was our experience. Um, but we recently launched a leather bracelet that is more gender neutral sure. and are going to be coming out with some other styles too. And we find that um, our customers range in a lot of different aspects uh, because depending on where you live, what you do, uh, you most certainly have a safety need. I don't know a single person who doesn't care about their safety. Um, but some people mm-hmm. are more conscious of that because of their job or their history or their experiences and because of their identity. We live in a world in which your safety um, changes depending on your identity. And that really shouldn't be linked, but it is. So no, one thing actually about the product, because we're talking about this. Let's say I am. I came for you. I saw you, Quinn. I told, hey, Quinn, what you do? You do flare. I told, oh, so why I should have the product? Why me? Or, or maybe uh, like tell us some tell us some of the benefits or some of the features of yeah, it. Like why? Because yeah. I, sometimes I feel people like hesitant because you know why I should get. I don't need it. Uh, so why? Yeah. To be honest with you, Oz, I haven't found anybody who's hesitant. Um, I think that there are a lot of people who live um, very consciously of how their safety is at risk. And they want to plan for that. And they want to have options. And what we do as a business is, I mean, the way I see safety, I should say more specifically, is that safety is not only about avoiding violence. That's a big part of it. But it's also about how you approach the world with confidence and control and agency. So much of the way that safety exists in our lives is the choices that we make and the constraints on those choices. How do we show up in a moment? 
How do we present ourselves? Where do we go? How do we get there? These are all choices that we make for our safety. And if you have a plan, if you know that you're connected at all times and that you have backup when you need it, you will approach those decisions differently in a way that enables you to flourish more, right? I can't tell you the number of people who, you know, just just look at the number of assaults that happen in college and the number of people who drop out after being assaulted or the number of people who avoid going places because they're worried about their safety there. And that's that's the world in which people are holding back because of their safety. So what I personally get super excited about is what does a world look like where everybody, no matter their identity, can feel like they can go after their goals fully. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, uh, I'm sorry, we're probably talking too much about the product, but how the product works? So let's say I have the jewelry, because it's a very amazing idea. It's like very smart idea, very amazing. So how the product work? If somebody never heard about Flair, how the product work? How, like, I have the jewelry in my hand. If I feel unsafety, if I am in a place, just yeah. I push something. It, yeah. Uh, so how it work? Thank you for asking this. Oh. So... Flare gives you discrete safety options that ha- can help you at any time, anywhere, at any point in a moment where you're feeling unsafe, where you're feeling uncomfortable, or if you're in an unwanted situation. So you can press the hidden button that's on the side of the bracelet. You press it once, mm. and we send you a phone call. We call it a fake phone call. Technically, it's a real phone call. But we call it fake (laughs) because there's a recording on the other end that has a conversation with you. You can listen to that recording in advance and prepare for it. And you can choose between different recordings. It's your friend who's locked out. It's your coworker because you're late for a meeting. It's your partner checking in. It's your friend who just got broken up with. It's a pet emergency. They're all reasons that you need to leave immediately. So that's your excuse to leave. Say you're on a bad date and you're feeling uncomfortable and you don't know how to excuse yourself. You get a phone call and you have to go. You can also press and hold the button and we'll send your GPS location and an alert to your friends and family. We put them on a text chain so that they can coordinate with each other if they have different pieces of information. And you can send that same alert to an on-call agent who is trained, will call you, check in with you. You can stay on the line with them if you just want somebody to talk to. And they can also send emergency response directly to your location. They have your live updated location, can send 911 right to you. So it's a quick, silent, discreet way of getting multiple forms of help immediately. Mm. Oh, wow. That's amazing. This sounds amazing. And why people are not using it enough? I, I need to get one. <laughs> why doesn't everyone have one already? <laughs> yeah. So, uh, uh, and let me ask you, uh, so when when you, uh, do you have a mentor? What, uh, besides like this, when you're building a business, I'm sure you did have a mentor. How, did the mentor help you guys? Do you still use a mentor? Yeah. Oh. So, I think 
having a mentor is a very personal decision and one that each person can choose to make and invest in on their own. Sure. The way that I have mentors is not, I don't have one mentor only. I have a network of mentors that I utilize mm-hmm. because they each bring different expertise, different ways of thinking, different frameworks into my life. Um, and my co-founder and I share a lot of the same mentors. And what the way we think about it is they help you see around the corners that you can't see yet. Um, so we look to founders who are a little bit ahead of us or a lot ahead of us. We, we look to experts in our space, in our field, um, experts for particular things, particular aspects of our product, uh, like engineering, supply chain management, marketing, um, growth, website development, UX, UI, all different aspects. And Mm -hmm. for us, that's been really a powerful network that we've been able to rely on when we need expertise that we don't have yet. Um, Mm -hmm. I think that, frankly, it's been crucial to our success. At the same time, I always like to tell other founders that getting advice is really important and people Mm -hmm. often want to help founders. You know, you're doing a really hard thing and people want to help you. And there's only a few ways that they can really help you. You know, they can help you create the product and the work. They can help you by giving you connections, by giving you money or by giving you advice to help you Mm -hmm. giving you ideas. But if we all did the same thing, the same way everybody else did, there would be no innovation. And as a founder, as an entrepreneur, you're in the business of innovation. And sometimes you have to go against the grain and you have to have confidence in that. So I've developed what I call my uh, mental trash bin, where uh, somebody is giving (laughs) me advice and I send it through my own filter. Where I say, this is advice yep. that I really appreciate, want to take and run with. Or this is advice that I really appreciate, but I'm just going to dump it in that mental trash bin and say, thank you so much. Because you can't pursue it all. You have to hyper-prioritize and you're not going to always agree with them. And at the end of the day, you need to hold yourself accountable to your customers, to your vision and to yourself. Mm-hmm. And to your team too. Amazing. Of course. So uh, now you do have a partner, yes? Or founder, a co-founder. co-founder? I do, yeah. I have a co-founder. Yes. Yeah, and I, I, I read about both of you guys, and I actually, I think I saw a video for you, your interview. You guys, do you have a challenge working together? Because I'm sure you have, she, probably she has different opinion. You have diff- How you come over these challenges, especially when you start a new business? Because I'm sure it's a challenge having you know we want to move in this direction no i think we should do in this direction and we interview a lot co-founder where we see this is really a huge thing how they come over it and how they make sure the company move in one direction so how guys come over this challenge yeah yeah every founding relationship is different uh and my partnership with sarah is one of the most important aspects of our business you know we each bring different aspects to the business. And I think we're part of this new wave of leadership where 
it used to be that you had to say one person is in charge and the other person isn't so that when there were disputes, the person in charge would win. Um, but now we're part of this new wave where we believe that our partnership is what brings us success. And we're committed to that partnership and working together to come to decisions together on a lot of things. Um, and so we both lead the company together and we operate that way. And we actively invest in our relationship. We have time dedicated to spend with each other every week. And we also have time dedicated every month to have a check-in about how we're each doing, how our relationship is doing, and to work on that together. Oh, wow. Amazing. Amazing. So now I want to go back actually for the business. When you came up with the idea, when guys, how you went to enter the market? Did you find the challenges to enter the market? Because I feel a lot of people have an idea. Then they develop the idea. Then, okay, we have the product. What we do now? Uh, so how... Uh, is this guys what how he did it if if we can ask yeah of course um so we had really excellent timing for going to the market and if you can sense sure. some sarcasm in my voice you are 100% accurate <laughs> uh, we launched literally 2 weeks before the pandemic hit in 2020 <laughs> And we had a whole oh, wow. plan for how we were launching based a lot um, with doing on the ground work with college students. Um, and college so. students were some of the first people to be sent home during the pandemic. So we had to <laughs> reinvent the wheel early on. Um, and we certainly did not do that perfectly. Um, but what we found was if we put ourselves out there that our customers would find us and we would find our customers. So we sold exclusively on our website, on our e-commerce platform, which is getflare.com and have grown exclusively and tremendously there utilizing, um, digital online advertising, um, organic, like, word of mouth flywheel conversations about safety mm -hmm. and using influencers, building up our social media platform. Frankly, we haven't done anything too revolutionary yet on the marketing side. It's just been telling our story and talking to people about it. I think because... Because the product is so mission-oriented, I think that lends itself to people being really interested in understanding where it comes from. You know, there's something really powerful from taking mm -hmm. the worst experience in your life and flipping it on its head to use it to create positivity. And let, let me ask you, is guys, you are the only product in the market like this. They... We work, for example, we work with a company where it's called Rusky Olive, but I think for senior, I don't think they have any, I didn't see any product before for like younger, like it's different as idea, it's way different here. But do you have anybody in the market where they have something similar? There's a lot of things that people do for their safety. Um, okay. So there are products like personal alarms or 
the, you know, your, your iPhone can contact the police, but at the same time, it also lets out a really loud alarm <laughs> to make sure that you want to do it. So it really blows up your spot. Um, not, not discreet at all. Um, there's also the typical <laughs> things that people have been using for decades, like whistles and pepper sprays, self-defense, the buddy system, find my friends. Um, the list goes on. What we're competing against as a business is this um, this notion of safety being an insurance product for these like one-off moments for the rare emergency that will happen. And what we're trying to do is help people understand how safety exists on a day-to-day weekly basis for them and that they can take actions and utilize technology so that they know that they're never alone and that they can navigate situations more effectively um, using tools like Flare. But it's not your standard industry where you name like 20 other companies that are doing the exact same thing and you're different because of X, Y, and Z reason, right? We're competing against habits that people form and behaviors for safety um, that frankly haven't been cutting it for us. And Mm -hmm. When I say competing, I do that with a lot of hesitation because Mm -hmm. I don't think I'm competing against anybody in this space. Like my reason for starting this company is because I want people to be more active for their safety. And I know the consequences of not doing that. I know the benefits of doing it. So anything that anybody does for their safety, I think is should be celebrated. And what we find is that our customers aren't just buying flair. They're doing everything that they can for their safety to educate themselves. And one of the reasons why I think the industry has been so fraught with misinformation and like a general feeling of ickiness is that it told you historically, here's the one thing you can do for your safety and it'll solve your safety entirely. Well, to be frank with you, that's a lie. There's no one thing that you can do that will solve your safety entirely. You need to do a lot of things for your safety. And the way we think about Flare is it's one tool in your toolbox. And it's a tool kind of like, you know, your Swiss Army knife that gives you a lot of different options in one. But you should be educating yourself about what other tools that you can have because so many of them are mental. So let me ask another question. Um, what's What has surprised you most about building this business? Um, to be honest with you, what surprised me most is the reaction that we've gotten from so many people. I know the statistics. Everybody knows the statistics. One in three women and one in four men experience physical or sexual violence in their lifetime in the U.S., But I don't think I really realized what that meant until I started Flare. And what I mean by that is the number of people who've come up to me and disclosed their own safety situations has been astounding. Mm -hmm. And 
I have found a lot of power in the sharing of those stories and using those stories to help make something that could be used to prevent it from happening to somebody else. And I was frankly surprised by the number of people who wanted to disclose something so deeply personal to them to a total stranger. Mm -hmm. So do we want to move on to rapid questions? I am ready. So here we go. Do you want to ask these questions? Oz, or no, you go ahead. Ask it. <laughs> All right. So the first question is, what's your favorite food? Mac and cheese. <laughs> oh, that's a good one. <laughs> what is your favorite movie? Oh, no. You're going to hate me on this one. I don't have a favorite movie. Like, actively choose not to have a favorite movie. <laughs> okay, that's fine. What's your favorite drink? Pina colada. Um, are you a tea or coffee person? Tea. Um, are you a day or night person? Day. What's your favorite book, if you have one? Harry Potter. <laughs> one person who inspires you. My grandmother. She taught me to eat dessert first and wear feather boas. Amazing. <laughs> um, what do you think about setting goals? I like to set intentions more than goals. And what do you mean by this? Actually, this I'm interested in this. So I'm gonna break the, interrupt uh, the rapid question. Yeah. So what what do you mean by this? Because this is a this is the yeah. first time somebody told me I like to set up intention, not goal. What do you mean by this? So it depends. In the you know, in a professional setting, goals are incredibly important. You need to have them. Especially concrete goals that are measurable and actionable. But in my personal life, I have found that there's so much that happens that's outside of your control. When you set a goal, you're dictating to yourself what that's going to be, but you're not giving yourself the flexibility for your passions or your interests to change. Especially when you set long-term goals. And so what I like to do when I make personal decisions is set intentions and reasons why I'm making that decision. Great example. Why did I start Flair? Why did I become an entrepreneur? When I decided to pursue this when I was in business school, I said, not I'm going to start this business because it has to succeed and we have to get to this level of funding and this many customers and this much money or make this kind of exit. What I said was, I'm going to do this because it is something that I am incredibly passionate about. It is something that makes a positive impact in the world. And it's something that is going to challenge me every single day. And in the moments when tough things happen, because hashtag startup is hard. When those challenges happen, I always fall back on those three things and say, why am I doing this? I'm doing it because I'm passionate. It's going to challenge me and it has a positive impact. None of those things are about the success of this business. It's okay if we end up failing, but I'm going to keep going and keep pursuing because of those three reasons. So those are my intentions in making the decision rather than a goal for the business. 
This is very interesting. This is the first time I, I hear somebody speak about this way. So this is very smart, very interesting. Okay, I'm sorry. I I I I, I jumped. <laughs> no worries. That's why we want to we want to get to know you. So this is great. Um, are you a dog or a cat person? Dog. Dog. Um, what's your biggest fear? Death. <laughs> the end. Um, yeah, which is so stupid because it's inevitable. <laughs> yeah, and you won't probably know when it happens, right? <laughs> Just gonna happen. Yep. Like boom, you're gone. Yeah. Um. What would you change about yourself if you could change one thing? Um, you know, I have been overweight for my whole life and grew up in a world in which being overweight was not celebrated. Um, and so from that, I have a lot of trauma and confidence issues. Um, not when it comes to being myself, but when it comes to my body image. That's the mm-hmm. thing that I would change. And it's also something that I'm actively working on. Mm-hmm. Amazing. We um, all of us work on this. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Everybody's working on that. Yeah. All of us. And we put goals <laughs> and never have them. That's why I need a set of intentions. <laughs> I need to put the intention for this because now I'm going to change it for intention. That's great. Um, <laughs> what's your favorite kind of music? Happy music. Happy music. Great. It makes like me answer. feel invincible. What do you, I think you'll like this question. What do you miss most about being a kid? I have an exact answer for this one. <laughs> I, what I miss most about being the ki- a kid is the ability to lie on the floor and just have a fit in front of anybody. Like, <laughs> as a kid, you're allowed to just lie on the floor at any time, anywhere. It's totally acceptable. Yeah. I really miss that. <laughs> <laughs> I think we should lie on the floor more often. I do think that's a great, <laughs> a great example. Um, all right. So now we're on to our complete this sentence uh, portion. So let's get started. So when I started my business, I wish I knew blank. I wish I knew that I knew the business better than anybody else and to have confidence in making decisions that were different than what other people would have done. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Amazing. Leadership for me is about what? Having empathy and drive and putting your efforts towards making life better for others. Mm-hmm. Amazing. Great. The one thing that makes a great team member is what? Humility and openness. Um, challenges in life or business are blank. Normal. <laughs> Amazing. Um, I want my legacy to be. Unique. Uh, the best advice I would give someone is. Is do it. I think there's so many people that have an idea and they never pursue it. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't take a lot to pursue. You don't have to drop everything to do it. You can do it one step at a time. Just don't regret never trying. Mm-hmm. 
yeah, and start somewhere. I think actually about the idea because I see we see a lot of people have amazing ideas, but you know it's not only they don't do it. I think the where they come from or what is around them, the voices, you cannot do it. It's not gonna work. Oh, you never try it, man. See if it works. Does not yeah, work. Yeah, but try like something their different. family asking them, how will you even make money? Like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah you're so yeah. right on that, Oz. It's it's not just about your willingness it's about the ecosystem you're in and the echo chamber that you're in and does it support you or does it not so you know i think the other important thing to your point is to find supporters to be aware of what your echo chamber is and make sure that it's people who believe in you and will support you and if it's not find me Find me on LinkedIn. Send me a message. I will support you. <laughs> yeah, this is actually great because I think people they need you become the people you know. Because I think if the people you know who is the people, they, I think it becomes the people you know. Because the people, if you know people like they want to support you, want want you to be success, root for your success, you would become. Does not have to be business, anything in life, even like just going walking two mile, anything in your life. If you have the right people around you, I think this make a huge difference. But a lot of people actually they don't they have a challenges with. Yeah, this. you need permission uh, from yourself and from those around you to feel like you're capable of doing it. I frankly, I didn't feel like I was capable of being an entrepreneur until I found that idea I couldn't put down. And I was in business school. I was in a place where they're really good at making you feel like you're capable. Mm -hmm. Amazing. So just to wrap things up, um, what does the future look like for you personally and for the business? Yeah. I don't know. We're frankly at a really interesting point in our our lifespan where we have a few options for how to uh, continue from a distribution standpoint. Um, and for, for Sarah and I, what's most important is how we progress the story around safety um, and ensuring that that continues to show up in people's lives in a positive way, um, making people feel validated for their experiences and to know that they're not alone. And so Mm -hmm. that's what we hold as our North star in the decisions that we make. Uh, And I know that the future looks like a lot of challenge also a lot of things to celebrate in that because at every stage in our business, it is always felt like you take the really positive, amazing momentum with really hard challenges all at the same time. Like any, mm-hmm. our society right now has uh, a culture around startups where often they're put on pedestals or they're made to seem as the ultimate success and you achieve it and everything is great. But I don't know a single founder who hasn't struggled like with the existential existence of their business at one point or another. And frankly, it's not at one point or another, it's all the time. Um, And so it's not like a, 
everything is rosy when you find success story for anybody. Mm-hmm. It's really hard and it takes a yeah. lot of commitment, a lot of time, a lot of drive. And so yeah. I think that I the reason why I'm saying all this is because I want to actively combat this notion where like startups are just like instant successes. Uh, because I think it does a disservice to all of the other founders out there who are working their asses off um, every day. Mm-hmm. Amazing. Um, what impact do you want to have on the world? And I think you've probably already answered this because you are in a very unique situation and have a very unique product. But tell us um, what you perceive as your impact on the world. Yeah. Impact you want to have in the world. Yeah. So um, I care a lot about ensuring that people who haven't had a voice before are able to have a voice and to speak up and to share that experience and have it be accepted and addressed. Um, I care a lot about how people think about their safety because I think there's so much pain that can be avoided and so much benefit to the world that's missed because people are holding back or feel like they can't be their full selves. I want to work to help people pursue their passions more. And for me, that means creating a world that's safer, where we more openly talk about how safety affects each and every one of us and people feel confident in taking action for their safety, not because they're doing it because they are vulnerable, but because they're doing it because that's the world where we exist. in. unfortunately we exist in a world where we are going backwards when it comes to safety and our company's mission is to create a world where products like flare aren't needed and to put ourselves out of business. And to achieve that, we need to keep fighting every day to change the culture and the norms. I know that selling more flares isn't gonna achieve that. What's gonna achieve that is cultural, societal, institutional, judicial, educational, you name it, change. So what is uh, one more question, actually, because you talk about a lot of safety, and I think you mentioned it, but if you can tell me what safety in your own world, what safety for you? So what is safety? Because I think you mentioned safety a lot, yeah. and I think you mentioned it, Labby, like going out, being, feeling comfortable, but what's safety for you? Safety is agency. It's having the permission to be your full self, to be confident and in control of what's around you, to know that you're never alone, that you're always connected, you have a system of support behind you, and to operate with that peace of mind. And Okay, so this is a great... Now I'm going to jump back to the business. Uh, I have a few questions. I'm going to just uh, after that. Because actually, it's a very great idea. Now you are only in the online, yes? Only people buy it online. Yes. Are you planning, guys, to go for like stores, like uh, like a big store, big chain? Are you not? 
TBD. Um, we have some really exciting potential to be determined. Uh, to be determined. Yeah. To be, yeah. Or to be disclosed. Yeah. <laughs> we can't really say anything about it. No, okay. Go. Great. <laughs> oh, amazing. Okay. Uh, amazing. Uh, is there anything else we, we should know if, uh, about Flair? Um, no, I think, you know, you can find out more on our website, getflair.com. Um, but I frankly really appreciate this conversation. I feel like we've covered so much ground from what it means to be an entrepreneur and how to pursue your dreams to how to make a product to what safety means and how it exists in our lives. Amazing. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much, Quinn, for joining us today. It was a pleasure. Thank you. I really appreciate the space that you've created for founders to be honest and authentic um, and help people who, you know, might be thinking about doing something to realize that it is achievable and accessible for them. Absolutely. Amazing. All right. Thank you so much. Thank you, Quinn. You're welcome. It's so nice to meet you both. Thank you for listening to Founder Thought. You can find more episodes wherever you listen to podcasts or on the web at founderthought.com. Founder Thought is a production of Pepper Gang.